see if this works. It says it's live. Okay, there's going to be a delay. Uh -huh. Are we live? I don't know. Are we on the air? It says in the corner of my screen that we are. I have no idea. The chat hasn't said anything about us being live yet, so that I don't know. I don't know what's no, happening. No, it still says, please stand by starting soon. Okay. On my thing. Hmm. 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 I'm going to restart the chat. At some point, I need to figure out how to use uh, sounds from my computer on this because if we can't make fart noises and toilet flushes, I don't know what the point of this is. Hey, look. Oh, it is live. Oh, it is live. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Hello. Uh, I guess it's working. All right. So, hi, Alex. Hi, Patrick. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm not in San Francisco, and neither are you. No. You're in Chicago. I am in We're Chicago. Home. Well, no, that's sort of a lie. It's, it's oh, that's right. You're a suburb. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's like any anything else. When you tell out of towners or people that aren't from the area uh, where you're from, I'm just going to say Chicago. I'm not going to say, do you know what Arlington Heights and Mount Prospect are? Because right. <laughs> no one is going to know that. It's not like San Francisco where you can say you're from the Bay Area and people will sort of understand that doesn't necessarily mean San Francisco. Right. I guess that is the weird part about. The Bay, the Bay Area, is that it yeah. encompasses more of that. I mean, I guess that's the equivalent of something like the Midwest, but that's awfully broad. That's a little yes. bit more than, <laughs> than just Chicago. That's a whole region right there. That's that's like a big chunk of the country. Um, so for people that are watching, if this audio is out of sync, if this video looks terrible, that is because this doesn't have an official title and we are just giving this a shot. Uh, for, yeah. for people that have... Tuned into Spooking with Scoops as we've gone from the evolution of me running that on a MacBook Air to actually running that on a PC. Uh, I tend to have the. I like to just do things, and we'll just worry about figuring out the technical stuff later. Because you know, Alex and I, we are not video professionals. That is why we have people like Drew and Vinny who handle that stuff. And so when we don't know what we're doing. Our, yeah, no. When you're left to your own devices, probably very simple things that yeah. are. Stuff that they worked out years ago, uh, and we have to kind of figure out on our own. So, uh, absolutely, you know, send us feedback uh, about any sort of technical hiccups, and we'll, we'll try to address those. Uh, we're using this uh, Google Hangout because this seemed like the easiest way to bring people in. It also uh, creates an archive that we can put up on the site, and the plan is to try and put that up in in video and audio format, um, and then to also do this a little bit earlier than we're doing it right now. Um, right. And maybe not have a vacuum sound in the, in the back of me. At right some point, now. there will be construction outside my window because they decided that after leaving a, 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 like a, a backhoe out there for two weeks, today was the day they were going to start excavating the empty lot next to my office window. So there, there, there should be some fun noises coming from there. Yeah, well, I'm just, you know, having moved back in with my mom optionally. Yes. My own preference. Um, there are things that come up that you just can't quite account for or that you haven't accounted for, and that suddenly I need to be aware of them. Uh, people that watched uh, Sp <laughs> Spooking with Scoops last week, uh, you know, I do that late at night. I try and yeah. wait until it's dark, and, like, the whole idea is, like, me trying to sort of, like, get into it uh, and try and scare myself. Uh, one way to have that not happen is to have a stream of my mom and her friends come through this back room of the house, flip on a bunch of porch lights, uh, and hang out and, and drink wine on the patio, and... 
my first instinct was like, hey, you guys should stop doing that. But then my second instinct was, this isn't my house. I probably should have warned someone and not <laughs> kick everyone out just because I wasn't thinking about it. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, that that is the unfortunate reality of being in your parents' house is that once you're an adult, you no longer you are a visitor from there on out. You no yeah. longer have any sort of command of of that space. I'm not I am not in a I'm not a position to to bitch about it. And so there's a vacuum sound. While I think life was just saying, well, we'll give Alex some construction sound, and then everything will balance out. And we call it a test, and then we don't have to worry or apologize for anything. Yeah, this is the beauty of this, is that we actually kind of want this to fuck up a little bit, because then we'll know <laughs> what the problems are, and we can work on them for next time. This will be great. Uh, so, so the plan is, you know, you're going to be in San Francisco next week, so yes. we're not going to be doing this next week. And uh, But we wanted to try and just get one of these out of the way, uh, at least, to get a sense of the format, uh, see what people think of it. Um, the plan is to do this, I don't know, uh, at least once or twice a week, where we'll yeah, all that sort of stuff is kind of up in the air. But the idea being that we've known for years that Giant Bomb is a West Coast thing, and mm -hmm. we don't start our work day awfully early. And so, yeah. if things aren't prepared the day before, that go up uh, the morning after. Uh, it's not uncommon for there to be no content on the site till uh, well past noon. And for people that are on the Midwest, or East Coast, that's pretty late. Uh, yeah. And in addition to that, uh, the Bombcast kind of does whatever it wants to do. Uh, there is a format, but anyone that listens to it knows that uh, they don't cover a lot of the news that happens. It happens on a Tuesday, often recorded on a Monday. Uh, so a lot of things kind of slip through the cracks that, that don't get discussed and maybe sometimes come up on TNT and on professional Fridays. But uh, it seemed like something with Alex and I would be a good opportunity to sort of run down some of the headlines that don't come up on other parts of the site and don't even get written up on the site because we're pretty careful uh, about what actually takes up a slot on, on the homepage. So the general idea is that, yeah, we're just going to kind of just run down some of the headlines and, and see where this takes us over over about 30 minutes. So uh, I've got a, I've got a couple too, but yeah, I, know that, I, got some I, know too. You, I know you said uh, you had yours, so why don't I maybe want to throw it to you? So, well, I think the, uh, the the first thing I'd love to talk to you about uh, is the, the current status of the Phil Fish experience. <laughs> um, you have uh, you you have you have a friendship with that guy. You have an actual relationship with him, and we all sort of know about what's been going on over the course of this past week with him. You know, him quitting Twitter, him having a gigantic, you know, blow up with with various journalist people, and then you wrote an article. Uh, I, it was Monday, right? About yeah. Where you sort of talked a little bit about your own experiences with kind of dealing with shitbags on the internet and Phil's whole thing. The question I think I have remaining at this point is that, and you're maybe in a better position to answer this than, than other people who just sort of only know him through the internet, is that, like, how much of this do you think is actually really, truly genuine, and how much do you think it is, like, Phil just kind of doing whatever weird thing he feels like doing? Because I get the impression, especially with his whole Andy Kaufman kind of worship, that sometimes he's maybe putting on things a little bit just for the sake of, you know, his per online persona, but there's also probably a genuine aspect to it. I just trying to. I'm I'm having a hard time parsing what's real and what's kind of not with him. And I feel like you might be in a better place to kind of understand that. I mean, I think if people went back and watched the segment that we had him on uh, during GDC this year, uh, where that gives you a better sense of what it's like to actually just be around Phil, like when he's not on or when he's not talking about his game or when. Uh, he's not uh, using Twitter for sometimes for for the worst reasons. Um, he's a really calm, 
chill dude that is extraordinarily passionate about games, uh, can speak about them and all sorts of other subjects on a level that is just whew, right above me. Uh, one of the, the video ideas, Phil came by the previous office, uh, might have been for GDC, it might have been because he was just in town, uh, just to hang out and, and grab a couple drinks, and him and Brad got into this extremely long, detailed discussion of, like, theoretical physics and quantum theory, you know, like, Brad... I'm go hang out with my dad. Yeah, and, and, like, it was extremely detailed. I could not follow anything they were talking about, but it was super fascinating because they were both able to sort of, like, talk on the same level as one another, and... Vinny and I definitely had this idea of setting them up in a green screen with just, like, space behind them and just letting them have, like, a 45-minute conversation that had nothing to do with games and was all just talking about this uh, extremely specific uh, science stuff that Brad, you know, spends all sorts of time sort of, like, reading into on his own time. And he tries to bring it up with us, but it all just, like I said, kind of goes right over our heads. Um, and so I don't know. I, even as someone that has sort of a relationship with Phil outside of, of games and, like, the game's press. You know, like, I mean, he told me straight up, you know, the game's canceled. And I actually do take him at his word at that. I do think that Fez 2, currently, as it stands, he is not working on. Um, I don't think that it will remain that way. Uh, but that's, you know, like I mentioned in, in my piece, uh, that's not inside information. That's just my gut feeling based on the way he would talk about that universe and the other plans he had for it. I mean, a lot of that was years ago. I have no, I have no idea what he's up to with Fez 2, but uh, I don't know. That guy's just as complex and uh, ready to sort of lose it when you're hanging out with him completely disconnected from all of this stuff. And sometimes that means it can be kind of a challenge, but um, he is, you know, one of those really passionate guys that just he really knows his shit, and it would be awfully tragic if we lost him. But I also, you know, I definitely don't blame people for sometimes getting really agitated with him. I just, you know, he throws out vitriol, and people throw it right back. You know, but yeah. I, I think I mentioned this in a Tumblr uh, answer that someone asked was that one of the key differences is that, uh, by and large, when, uh, and this isn't always the case, Phil has done, like, very direct vitriol in the past, but by and large, when he's just sort of, like, spouting on Twitter and other places, it's kind of just general. It's sort of a mass acid spray, uh, whereas all the stuff that comes to him is directed completely at him. Like, there right. is no mistaking where that is going, and that's a very different experience that I try to speak to uh, a little bit in, in that story. I wish everything that took me 30 minutes to write uh, got as that, that much of a reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just bring up the Phil thing because I saw today like he actually posted something to his Twitter feed. It was just like a weird Vine video of like two like weird sticky action figure dudes like kind of coming apart, and I have no idea what the symbolism of that is. I, I'm maybe it's nothing at all, but it just seems like I think that every time Phil Fish quits Twitter, it, it is very deliberate. I think that there is always like some kind of there's some kind of machination going on back there, whereas he is trying to make some kind of point. What that point is maybe is obfuscated to the point of any of us really understanding where he's coming from or what he's doing. But 
I mean, as someone who uh, allegedly made him quit Twitter before, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. I don't That's know how right. to deal with it. I forgot about that. I don't even think I did it. I still don't think that, that I'm responsible for that whatsoever. But that said, when I see someone kind of, you know, going to these lengths and, like you said, just kind of like, you know, shotgunning everywhere, whatever is on his mind and, you know, kind of cultivating this sort of like aggro personality on Twitter and then these sorts of things go where, you know, all of a sudden now we're supposed to kind of feel sympathetic for him. It's just really hard for me to follow, and it's really hard for me to stay engaged with because I like the guy in principle, and I like Fez, and I like, you know, theoretically what he's doing, but I have a very short tolerance for people who go out of their way to make their personality extremely obvious and extremely in the limelight and then immediately recoil and get really upset when people pay attention to them for that personality. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that's a completely fair criticism for for how he's handled himself, uh, especially in regards to to social media and and, and Twitter yeah. specifically. And I, you know, if I had to wager a larger guess, you know, I think the way Phil talks about his stuff, he does have grand, like sort of a grand plan for how he wants to execute things. But sort of the day to day, how that plays out, uh, I think that is is less planned than than people might think, sure. and and that. A lot of those outbursts are, you know, pretty heartfelt. Uh, even if uh, there's there's a lot of venom kind of mixed in with that. But you do think Fez too is going to come along at some point? I think so. I don't. Yeah. I'd say I, mean, I, I would not. I think Fez two will still be a thing. Uh, I will hedge that bet and say I am fully confident that uh, he will come back to video games. Um, right. But I, you know. Again, the way he talked about that universe in the past, I, there's more that he wants to to do there, and I I would love to play a Fez too because my guess is it would very deliberately be one of those things that tries to play on your expectations in in really fun and surprising ways. And I, you know, Fez was one of my favorite games of last year, and uh, I you know I think it would be a shame to to not get another one of those. But also, you know, we got that one, so I mean, I guess if it's a one and done, Fez is an awfully Great way to go out with the mm -hmm. only thing that you may. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean made. it's not a bad mic drop. I'm not saying it's a bad mic drop. I'm just, you know, I feel like with him going to the trouble of actually announcing Fez Two and uh, uh, theoretically a Fez Two having a fair amount of work already done with it, I'm betting at some point it will come out. He will probably be weird and sneaky and do some sort of, you know, grand gesture around it. But I think it's going to come back. Yeah. So I think we have probably devoted enough. Yes, I'm throwing it back to you. As has the rest of the internet to, yeah. to Phil Fish. Uh, I tried to load up these things on my iPad because I realized if I tried to load up things on my computer, I'd be doing a lot of pointing my head. Let's see. Sure. Oh, so I wanted to ask you, because I just yes. spent a bunch of time yapping. Uh, so you just met with Ken Levine and some other guy who's, whose name uh, I, I cannot Forrest remember. Something. I can never remember his last name, but so that first name's Forrest. I know that. Uh, two two uh two chief members of the the Bioshock Infinite team, and I wanted you to relay the story of the audio recorders that you were texting me about as all of this stuff was as you were at at a rational. And oh, that yeah. So it's okay. So so this is this is not me trying to bitch about this necessarily, but it's just an uh, interesting fact. I think it's, that it's, so an interesting fact of doing interviews and doing junket type stuff is that when you do these sorts of things in like private rooms and whatever, usually you are being recorded as well. Uh, PR people will have you know either a camera set up somewhere or a digital recorder somewhere, 
because they like to take notes on that stuff. They like to sort of, you know, uh, have that, like, like just a, a record of everyone who came in and talked to, you know, whoever it was and all that sort of stuff. The weird thing about this one is when I went in and talked about Ken, talked to Ken, uh, the digital recorders were hidden away from anyone's view. Like I walked in, I couldn't see anything, and I was in the room like by myself for like ten minutes waiting for things to happen. So I was just walking around. They had the digital recorders off in this weird corner of the room by the mini bar, sort of covered over by plastic and like turned over so you couldn't see the recording lights. Like they were kind of <laughs> trying to be sly and sneaky about it. And I, I asked him, I was like, why are you doing that? I know this is what you guys do. Like this is not in any way something you have to be clandestine about whatsoever. Like we know this is kind of goes part and parcel with the whole thing. And they had no answer. Like, like they didn't really have it. It's like, oh, it was just, you know, we're just we just are doing this because, you know, we're not trying to, eh, it's like, don't worry about it. You don't need to worry about this. But it does make me wonder, like, why they thought they would have to be sneaky about that. Like, who's going to freak out about that? Yeah, that's that's just really strange because oftentimes the way it plays out, at least in my experience, is oftentimes, especially when you're talking to uh, executives or noted figures that uh, will oftentimes say, not necessarily outrageous, but will give you quotes that will often become a headlines all on their own. Yeah. Um, less so with the kind of stuff we do, uh, certainly more so with, with, with some of the other websites out there and the way they, they write their stories. Um, they're taking notes not because they necessarily want like a complete transcript of what happened, but right. oftentimes so that they know the topics and the questions you asked and the answers that came out, basically so they can prepare themselves for, okay, <clears throat> He seemed to make a big deal of this. This is probably going to be the focus of his story or a headline. So we can anticipate this. We can be ready with some sort of statement uh, if, if need be. And that makes total sense. Like yeah. that, is, that is a PR strategy that you know, I would employ if, if I was in the same position. Uh, but I just thought it was funny given that how common that is. I don't even think about it. Yeah, or that there's usually just someone. A PR it's usually person like right there on the away. table in front of you, you know, right. or the camera's like in the room where you can see it, whatever, you know. And I just thought it was like really weird that 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 they did that. Um, but other than that, I had no problem with that trip. I mean, they 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 sent us out there. They showed us the uh, the the Clash in the Clouds DLC, which we have a quick look up of today, because they they were like, hey, so here's our first DLC, and it's coming out tomorrow, because that is apparently the trend now is that whenever the first DLC comes along for some big game, it's always like, and it's out today! You know, it's like they all saw that one, you know, what was it, the Sega Saturn press conference from E3 right. however many years ago, and it's like, and it's in stores now! I hate that. I hate, <laughs> I, I hate, I, I know that they're trying to do, like, a big surprise, and they're, like, trying to, you know, get everyone psyched up all of a sudden, but it's like, you know, give us a week. You know, give us a little time to sort of write something or do something or get some prep time on this, like... Tomorrow is a lot is not very much time for us to sort of prepare anything, you know, for for your content. Yeah, I mean, my guess is from their perspective, they knew that had they just announced uh, the Clash in the Clouds DLC, uh, there'd be a lot of uh, pretty rightful, I think, bitching yeah. and moaning about the first delivery of season pass content, uh, which was three four months ago. Yeah. Well, not even that it's not even that great, but that it's it's not story based, which I think you know that was. You know, Im I think implicit and in many ways explicit in when they described what that season pass right. was going to be. So I think they dropped that. So it's like, hey, here's content, and then also here's the thing you really want, and it's right. coming later. They, they but, only showed us that trailer of. They didn't like like they had nothing else there for it. Like like other than that trailer that we put up on the site. Like you know, I have the interview up on the site with Ken where he talks a little bit more in depth about it. But the way he described it made it sound like 
and also the way Forrest described it was that like as soon as they were done with Infinite, you know, in principle, they just decided, okay, what's the thing we can do quickly, and then what's the longer term, you know, content that we want to spend more time on? And it sounds like Clash in the Clouds was the thing. It was like, okay, what can we get out in a few months? Because literally th that dude said, like, as soon as I was done with my last bug, I just started typing in ideas for a game, and then, you know, we started working on it, like, a week later. So that, that Clash in the Cloud sounds like it came together pretty quickly. And not to say that it's not polished, but I think conceptually it shows a little bit. So, for, you know, you had a chance to talk to Forrest and Ken mm -hmm. about... Uh... Is it uh, beneath this? What's the other yeah, DLC Ken, called? Yeah, like, like Forrest it wasn't really on uh, Burial at Sea at all. That's it Burial seems like that's Ken's project primarily. So you know what, like you know, for people that haven't listened to the interview, like what sort of sense did you, what, what like what did you guys talk about? Like what, what did you, what was your takeaway from from the time you got a chance to chat with him about? It was interesting because. Uh, he wasn't. He didn't want to get any real serious details about it because obviously it's a very story-heavy piece of content, and it's you know he, he's very anti-spoiler. Like I asked him a little bit, of like what is sort of the nature of Booker and Elizabeth's relationship in this version of what's going on. He didn't really want to divulge much about that. Basically, what he said was, you know, he had a desire to to revisit Rapture, but he didn't really want to just do it in the sense of like making another Bioshock game or just doing it, you know, like another... Because they've already done the ruined Rapture thing twice now. You know, they, they did it once and then the, the Marin guys did it. So, you know, there's always been, I guess, this kind of latent desire in the in the audience to see what Rapture looked like when it was still kind of a thriving uh, community and ecosystem. And, you know, he loves noir stuff. He loves survival horror stuff. And he thought this would be, like, a good way for them to kind of take those characters, take that Rapture setting, and do something kind of different with it. And it does look really interesting. I mean, I guess the first episode, you play as Booker primarily as a private detective in Rapture, and then the second episode is all Elizabeth, I believe, where you play as her, and it's much more survival horror. It's much less focused on any kind of combat whatsoever. Um, but he didn't, like I said, that was about as far and as detailed as he wanted to get about it. Stuff going on in the background, it happens. Yeah, it was a phone call. I don't oh, know. I cool. unplugged that... I unplugged it two days ago. If only we could take phone calls here, but we can't. Uh, that's too bad. But the the phone has its own battery. Yeah. And so it's just this stalemate between me and the phone. And you can't, like, remove the battery. I don't know what kind of phone it is, but it's just... Yeah. So it's a stalemate between me and this internal battery. Oh. I want you to... So every morning I wake up and I look at it, and I, I see, like, a bar has gone down, but it hasn't died yet. So oh. <laughs> I'm just... Slowly waiting for this landline. Just, Who it's has like a death that you know anymore? is coming and you want to come, but it just won't, and it's just like ah. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very tragic. Um, let's see, what uh, what what do you got on your end? Got any, All right, anything else interesting? So we got the uh, we got some Nintendo news today, uh, or maybe late yesterday. I don't really remember when this came out, but uh, we now know uh, how Nintendo's Q1 was. Uh, it was mixed. Uh, on the Wii U side, they only sold 160,000 units uh, in Q1, 159,999 of which I did not buy. Um, <laughs> I did get one. I finally got one. I got one. I managed to get a, uh, a premium unit with the Zombie U stuff uh, for for cheaper than they were selling it. So Someone I said, was like, just dumping it off on the side of the street. Yeah, I got it for like 300 bucks. When I think the, that unit goes for like way more with the the Zombie U bundle, so I decided to grab it. Um, it's fine. Whatever. I totally sure. understand why no one's buying it, but I kind of I, I, I dig it on some weird level. Um, 
And on the other side of things, uh, the 3DS is, you know, sold 100, uh, was it 1.4 million units and 11 million software copies. So there is this strange balance here where it almost seems like, hey, maybe Nintendo's handheld business is doing really well. Maybe its console business is not doing so well. What do you think about that, Patrick? Well, I think it's not surprising. I feel like that's, you know, indicative of sort of like the gut reaction from consumers as well. You know, I mean, I'm spending a lot of time playing games on my 3DS. I'm genuinely surprised at how big the reaction has been to Animal Crossing, uh, a right. game that I haven't gotten super deep into. I'll, I've been kind of checking it a little bit, but I've kind of been playing playing some other games. But, I mean, less so now, but, like, over the past month, that game has just completely taken over, like, everyone I know on Twitter. Like, right. people that have played that game in the past... Uh, people that have not played an Animal Crossing game before, uh, for a game that doesn't seem all that different from the ones that came before it, uh, was genuinely shocked at at how much that was kind of a shot in the arm for a uh, conversation about uh, Nintendo that didn't revolve around, you know, sales units and whether they should go third party and put their games on iOS and, and all that stuff. And right. I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, Nintendo's a weird company. Like, I mean, they had... I think they, they made money this quarter, so even though Wii U sales are not <clears throat> stellar... Uh, and that we outpaced Wii U, uh, you know, the sh- you know the big kind of gamble they took with 3DS of trying to just kind of put an adrenaline shot into that machine paid off, and it's go- you know it seems most likely that that's going to be enough to sort of get them through this generation, even if they end up hobbling through it overall. And so I'm more curious just to see what that balance is between the 3DS and Wii U, and whether they really think they can turn the Wii U around in, in a notable way that they have with the 3DS and so that they decide to put a lot of uh, really premier software behind it uh, or if they just say, look, maybe we put out the games that people want for Wii U, you know, we'll kind of checkbox everything and, and they'll, they'll get that stuff, but we're going to put a lot of our time and energy and R&D into the 3DS because we're making money hand over fist on that one yeah. and it's successful. Like they, they still have to, to earn it, and they got to still keep rolling that ball. But the ball's the ball's rolling in the right direction. Whereas with the Wii U, they have a much uh, steeper hill to climb. Yeah, and, and my take on it is this: is that uh, Q1 was going to be this no matter what. There's not really any games that have come out during this period, with the exception of like Game and Wario and Earthbound. Like this is this has been a dead period for the Wii U. Q2 is probably not going to be... I mean, that's around the time Pikmin will will come out and a couple of things will start coming out, but we're really not going to know what the trend for that thing is until, like, Q3, Q4. You know, once the holiday comes through, once the new consoles come through, we'll get a realistic picture of how the hell that thing's going to fare when up against, you know, the competition of what the other guys are really doing. So this is this is no surprise. It's su- I mean, it sucks for them, but I that that's just the way things have been trending. Until they actually put out some damn games for the thing that people want to buy, you know, the Mario's, the the Mario Karts, the Zeldas, what have you. This is th- this is not going to change one bit. They they do seem to be trying to adopt uh, with the exception of an ambassador program, which I'm surprised they haven't just co-opted that because I thought that was extremely successful. I don't know how much that translated into literal sales of, yeah. of the 3DS, but in terms of hearts and minds and endearing people to the platform, especially for people that felt like, well, we're your hardcore, we bought into this early, we know that it was going to be bumpy in that first year, but I think Wii U has been uh, even more of a desert than than other platforms have in the past, and I know that you know 
Iwata apologizes for that every single time and claims yeah. it's going to be better. But at least with the 3DS, they said, well, look, we've got this enormous back catalog. We have a way of solving this. We'll just give this stuff away for free and hopefully uh, make those people feel a little bit better about their purchase. And surprised they have not done something like that with Wii U. Uh, I'm not surprised they're you know charging a premium for a game like Earthbound. Uh, I think they're in a position to sort of they've waited long enough. They can try and extract as much of that as they can, and it's also you know puts fans in a position to kind of put their money where their mouth is. Uh, but they do seem to be trying to specifically adopt the sort of I think they called it Rolling Thunder strategy right. of 3DS, where uh, they had sort of a major game every month uh, starting in the late summer period and running through the winter. And I think we're in a position with that for Wii U, where we've got Pikmin 3 in August for the U.S. It's already out in other territories. Then Wonderful 101 comes in September. Mario Kart is October. Mario Kart is out this holiday. Bayonetta 2 is, I believe, out this holiday. Yeah, and Super Mario 3D Land is December. Uh, yeah. So they, so I think they, and I have to look at the actual schedule, but it seems like they're trying to set themselves up for, you're going to have a big reason to, you know, plop down yeah. 60 bucks for, for a brand new game on Wii U. You know, whether that's enough, I don't know, but maybe that's, at least buys them some time to, to maybe set the machine up in, in a more favorable scenario. But, yeah, yeah, Buzz is still pretty bad, and although I think people seem to genuinely like Pikmin 3 quite a bit, uh, at least uh, from what I've been hearing about it, it's not, you know, it's not blowing anyone away. It's just, it's another solid Pikmin game, and that's been, that's you know... Worry. Like, that is my worry for this stuff, because with the exception, I mean, it, and you know, not even with the exception, because Super Mario 3D Land, it, it's an easy sell because it has, you know, Super Mario on the box, therefore it is, you know, at least attractive to a set number of people. But Pikmin has never been, like, at least in my recollection, a top system seller, you know? It's like, that's not a series that, like, there's a lot of people who love it, and rightfully so, but that's not a game that people are going to run out and buy a Wii U for, necessarily. Yeah, Wonderful 101, I think, is the same situation. Bayonetta 2, maybe, I don't know, there's a certain subset of people that would, because, you know, Bayonetta... Oh, apparently, Bayonetta and, and Mario Kart are early 2014. All right, well... The chat. So there you go. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah to that, but... <laughs> so maybe not Rolling Thunder. But even but that's still the point. It's that, like, you know, those big, showy Nintendo franchises sell systems... Occasionally, a third party or you know other developer game will, will sell systems, but it's like Wonderful 101. Most people don't even know what the fuck that game is. is I don't. I barely understand what that game is, and I've played it multiple times. It's uh, fun, I think, but I don't know how you sell that game to an audience that is already not buying your system. You know. Uh, I think they're in. I I really enjoyed the bits I played of Wonderful 101. I think it's got uh, a great sense of style, which is you know no surprise from from the fact, you know, that it's coming from Platinum and from, coming from uh, Kamiya, but uh, it also looks awfully similar to Pikmin. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely seems to have a similar gameplay style, and so to have those games situated right next to each other, uh, I think, is unfortunately probably going to hurt Wonderful 101 a whole lot more than it's going to hurt Pikmin. And, and that's too bad, uh, because uh, third-party support, you know, I know Nintendo is funding and publishing that, but getting external developers to, to create content for Wii U is not exactly a common thing right now, and so it'll be too bad if, you know, that becomes one of the early forgotten gems of, of that machine, simply because a similar game came out so soon. Yeah. Alright, what do you got, Patrick? Throw one at me. Alright. Uh, we'll, we'll 
close on one more that I threw at you, and then I think uh, maybe we'll... Why don't we do a couple of rapid-fire ones after that, like one yeah. sentence reaction? Yeah, I, I want to we'll, uh, throw to the, the chat a little bit of the as chat, well, yeah. uh, and we'll get some questions from there, so people can can point those at me, and I'll, I'll pull, a, uh, pull some out in a little bit. Uh, so the one I want to throw at you, because uh, although I follow NFL football, uh, mm-hmm. I do not follow college football, and I keep seeing all these headlines about the NCAA and a lawsuit and EA and then seeing headlines on ESPN about people being hypercritical about the NCAA in general. And right. I don't know if you can give sort of like a quick analysis or like for the non-sports people around us, but if, it sounded if pretty want, fascinating. Yeah, if you want the real quick gist of it, you should go back and watch that South Park episode from like a year and a half ago where they did the EA Sports uh, parody where Pete Moore was this evil uh, impresario of video games uh, profiting off college athletes and all that stuff. Basically, the entire crux is... A lot of people are upset that uh, the the NCAA games, you know, without actually using exact player likenesses and you know stats and all that stuff, are still technically profiting off of players who can't get paid for it whatsoever. You know, it, the the this has been an ongoing, long-term thing that people have complained about for a long time, and I I don't really know the whole crux of this exact lawsuit that EA and the NCAA and the college licensing corporation or whatever they are. Uh, I don't know the whole thing because I don't really understand the law very well. Uh, that said, basically what it looks like right now is the NCAA has completely washed its hands of video games because it is trying to distance itself as far as fucking possible from any of this stuff. That does not preclude EA from being able to put out a college football game next year that just does not say NCAA anywhere because the college licensing company is the one that gives them the rights to the teams and the logos and all that stuff. So they can, can they still st- do that. Can they still call it, will it not be called NCAA? It just can't be called NCAA. Like it, could be EA, it could be EA College Football 2015 or whatever, but it, they cannot be NCAA football. Weird. So that is literally all they have lost in all of this. And the, the weirdness around all of this is that I don't know how that actually impacts any of this. <laughs> Like, I don't think the NCAA absolves itself in any way by making this move. EA apparently filed a motion to try and dismiss the entire suit before it actually goes to class action status. My understanding of how college sports works is about, like, that much, but what I will say is that it sounds like everybody is just trying to get the fuck out of this thing as quickly as they can, and I don't know if it's going to work. So, Hmm. there you go. That's the gist of it, I think. All right. Well, hopefully that was accurate. Yes, I think. If not... I don't, I'm not sure there's anyone on Giant Bomb that's going to correct us. No. That never happens. All right, then. Uh, just a couple of other headlines that I, I, I dug up, and I'm just, you know, we can th- throw some very quick t- uh, thoughts on that. Uh, bully trademark renewed. Is there a new game coming? What do you think? Man, I hope so. Uh, the idea of Bully the College Years is still an I- idea that gets me really excited. I don't know if that's the one that they'll follow through with, but, uh, you know, Bully is absolutely not only what my favorite Rockstar game, but is absolutely one of my favorite games yeah. ever. Uh, it's, you know, we constantly, or at least I constantly, get sort of bored about uh, the very traditional uh, settings that games kind of place themselves in, and high school seems like a really difficult one to pull off, and somehow they managed to do it, and it was really interesting. The mini games totally. were pretty terrible, but in terms of telling a story in a high school setting... Man, I w- would love to see even if they just revisit high school, like whatever it is. Like I would just love to see uh, another bullet game. So I'm crossing my fingers. Cool. 
Uh, producer on whatever the next Mortal Kombat movie thing says that the new Mortal Kombat game is currently in development. Is this surprising? No, not really. No. But, uh, no. No, because of course that's what they started working on after they finished <laughs> Injustice. Why not? But I imagine that game's probably at least a couple years away, right? Yeah, I imagine that's a next-gen product, and you know, I think I saw Jeff mention. I think it might have been on his Tumblr. Uh, the most interesting thing is going to be see they kind of wrung a, a whole lot out of the like the the nostalgia for those first three games, and especially the first two in terms of the characters they featured and uh, the storyline. You know, do they really? Are they really going to start putting, like, Mortal Kombat 4 characters in there? Like, I, that seems like that would I be unlikely. Like, I really they, hope are they, not. Are they going to put in characters from the multiple PS2, Xbox-era games whose names I cannot remember at all? I didn't even play those games. I mean, I heard they were okay. But I once that series went 3D, uh, I sort of kind of got, kind of got disinterested. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, there'll be another one. Uh, I bet it'll look gorgeous and... You know, I'll play it for the story mode, if nothing else. Cool. Uh, last one, Tearaway has been delayed a month. How sad are you right now? That's a bummer, but at least it's only October to November, right? Yeah, I it's think? just it's literally one month, so now it's coming out on a Friday or whatever, and it'll, it'll be out in November. Right, yeah, in mid- uh, right in the time when everyone will be buying literally everything but Vita games. Yeah, so that part definitely sucks because you're going to have the momentum of PS4, Xbox One you know, whatever push Nintendo's giving to Wii U, basically just money is going to be flying in all sorts of places other than a original PlayStation Vita game. Uh, and that's that's really too bad. So I, I hope it doesn't... It's going to get lost in the shuffle. That seems inevitable with the November game. That game is game. great. I played but, that demo twice at E3. Like, the same demo, I played it twice because I liked it so much. I yeah. really, really hope that game doesn't just get the shaft. It was, it was one of those games that at E3 people kind of always ask you, hey, I've got an hour... What should I go check out? And Tearaway was one where they had like 20 kiosks set up. There was never a wait. Uh, nope. You could you could check out the game immediately, and it was absolutely my favorite favorite game that, that I played at the show. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully some momentum can build for that game, and you know maybe Sony has a plan for it that we're not aware of, but. Uh, it would be too bad because everything about that game is... No, they fucking uh, don't. Cool. They don't have a plan. Um, they don't have a plan for I anything know. for the Vita. The I Vita know. is just them fucking throwing shit at a wall and hoping hoping to God something sticks. At well, point. whatever. Tearaway will become a uh, a bonus in the PlayStation Plus experience sometime in 2014, probably. So you mean people... January 2014? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So one way or the other, I th- hopefully people will get a, a chance to play it. But let's see. Why don't I... I'm going to take some questions from the yeah. chat. Maybe someday we'll be able to take, like, phone calls and do other cool shit, but, you know, we're not there yet, folks. And, yeah. like, and for those who have been asking about the whole soundboard thing, I would love to have fart sounds and toilet flushes and all that shit. I haven't figured out how any of that shit works. Like, I can't even make, like, sounds on my computer play over this yet, so when There's, we get there, we'll get there. There are apps. There are, like, yeah. I have... Let's see. What I am... Um, oh, I just clicked on something. Oh, look, no. Oh, look at you! Look at me. Oh, see now this is this is this is the giant bomb. Right? Ah, look, oh, I look more like a clown uh, than I already do. This is so wonderful. See, this is great. I love this. So if you, there are um, oh, that's terrifying. I don't like Detective Clown. So there are like these weird apps and stuff like that that uh, allow you to do uh, strange things with. Uh, with Google Hangout, but we this is our first time messing around with it. So. We will experiment more as time goes on. Here's here's one for you because you put up this trailer. 
Okay. So that Aisha Tyler in Watch Dogs thing was weird, right? Yeah. Asked Zaffers. Yeah, I don't know what any of that... So so here's the fun thing about that video, is that uh, they sent it over yesterday. They were adamant to be put behind an age gate, as they often are, even though nothing happens in it. It was 1.5 gigs HD that took me two hours to upload that thing from my internet. It is less than a minute long, makes no fucking sense, and I don't think actually effectively promotes watchdogs in any meaningful way. So well, it was, I stra- no it, was tr- it was super strange because if the, the email they sent along, you know, like we get these standard email blasts yeah. that, that have links to the... Sometimes they have the YouTube link, and then they have like a link to download like a, the higher-res version because when you rip from YouTube, it's already been compressed. Uh, right. But like, I guess this was just pulled out of their Comic-Con panel. So sure. I maybe... You know, I, I like East Tyler. I love Archer. Uh, yeah, she's a funny and lady. She's a really funny lady. So I don't know. Maybe in context... This was like this played a lot better. Like maybe yeah. she set up the bit, but for them to just distribute this by itself, I don't. Hey, I thought I think the that game, was a mistake. The I game think that needed some kind of intro or something. You know, just yeah. something to set it up. And the game didn't look that great. I don't know which version of the game they were showing, but it. You know, when they've shown that at E3 and other, you know, obviously they're usually showing like the high-end PC version. You know, the game didn't didn't look that great in that. That's bit. probably what that game's gonna look like on like 360 and PS3. I'm guessing. What else you got? Um, let's see. Hmm. Oh, I was coughing. You're my only friend. Is it warm out by you? Yeah, I mean, it's not It's not devil hot like it has been earlier this month, but uh, doesn't matter. Until it starts getting cold, I drink iced coffee exclusively. Uh, oh, so here's a, this is a good question for you because you just got uh, a Wii U. Um, uh, Blargo.ass, uh, do you think people are still confused about what the Wii U is? I mean, sort yes. of the mass populace. Yes. I, I'm curious, like, you know, like, I don't know how familiar... I mean, your girlfriend knows what you do for a living, but, like, yes. uh, when you've shown other people what this thing is, like, what is the general response? So, yeah, I've had to explain to my parents what the Wii U is multiple times because I've tried to explain to them, yeah, Nintendo has a new thing, and they're just, you know... They, my dad doesn't know anything about video games, but he was able to figure out all the Xbox One, you know, controversy shit on his own. He still does not understand what the Wii U is, no matter how many times I describe it to him. And, you know, it, it, it's they've said out loud that the branding issue is an issue, and they have thus far made no meaningful attempts to actually actually fix that. So, I mean, you go into a store, you know, I, you talk to GameStop employees they're always like, yeah, people still have no idea what the fuck this thing is. You know, they're like, oh, is that like an add-on for the Wii that I have? And it doesn't seem like whatever the hell uh, Nintendo does, no one's getting that message, or at least people just don't seem to care. You know, it's like they don't care to know, which is maybe the bigger problem right now. So, yeah. Uh, Cal33135 Yes, what do you guys think about Batman's newly announced uh, multiplayer, which I think that just happened this morning. Yeah, they just timely. put the stuff up for that today, I think. I don't really know what it's about. Tell me more. Uh, well, the little bit I saw... Actually, the part that was intriguing to me is that Splash Damage is making it. Okay. So... All right. The guys behind Brink, right? That's right. Brink? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, ooh, I'm forgetting that other... They did... Something the multiplayer game, a Quake multiplayer, Quake enemy territories. That sounds like a, that sounds like a game. I'm just gonna look this up real quick on GiantBomb.com, which is a wiki about video games. Um, so uh, it's it sounds like it's objective based. Uh, so you either are playing as like the Joker's thugs or you are playing as Batman and Robin. So 
I think that means it might be two on two. I'm not totally clear on, on the details of that. But um, I think that could be, I guess, interesting. Um, yeah. But I, I, mean, I wonder it's, how it's, the combat works when you're – if there are four players and w- what happens when you're actually facing off against another human opponent. Or maybe I'm maybe I'm misunderstanding how the, the multiplayer works and maybe it is just like sort of like wave-based survival yeah. as opposed to, to four on four. I mean, sure, that could be fun. You know, I, 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 at this point, you know, multiplayer sort of being kind of sandwiched into traditionally single-player games is is de rigueur. It's it's what everyone kind of does, and sometimes it works out really well. Like The Last of Us, you don't expect that shit to be good, but it actually is really, really good. And most times it's not. So at this point, I have no beef with people putting it in. If it doesn't work, doesn't work. It's fine as long as the single-player is still good. I'm primarily a single-player kind of player of games anyway, so. It is what it is. Sure, why not? This is basically and, and, my reaction to that. And and you know when you when I heard the news that Splash Damage was doing it, it actually sort of already deflects the initial criticism that people tend to have of news like this, which is, well, it's really unfortunate that you're taking away resources from you know the single player campaign, which is you know ostensibly for a lot of people, like you said, like and it's, it's true for me. Uh, that's what I'm kind of coming to the game for. So yeah. by assigning this to a different studio. It's sort of like no harm, no foul. You know, if it turns out great, then that's a wonderful add-on for the game that the people that dig it are going to enjoy yeah. it. That's great. Uh, but it also has not taken any resources away from uh, WB Montreal, who is you know building out the single portion, uh, single player portion of that game that right. you know we're all there for. So I don't know. It seems like one of those things that if it turns out great, great. If not, then you know it will be no great loss, and people will quickly forget that. That Batman tried to cor- incorporate multiplayer in the first place, but and it's I, it's for the it's for the best that they're upfront about this because if they're not, then you end up in a situation like Aliens, Colonial Marines, where it's like people are finding out about you know other developers working on it after the fact, and it just becomes a whole clusterfuck. Yeah, and what it does make me curious about is you know rocks. This is the first one that Rocksteady is not developing. Um, what, you know, what does that mean going forward? Because the rumor is based on. Uh, was it Kevin Conroy, I think, is the voice yeah. actor. Uh, he's not doing Batman this time. I think Troy Baker is doing Batman this time. It's Troy Baker's and everything. And then Kevin Conroy said that, oh, I'm still doing Batman. I'm doing the next Batman game, you know, implying that Rocksteady is working on uh, yet another one of these. But I wonder what happens if the multiplayer in this, you know, turns out pretty well and people like it. You know, does that mean that suddenly Rocksteady is sort of saddled with also having to build that, or or if splash damage kind of comes along for the ride, uh, going forward in the franchise, it it definitely creates a, a weird scenario for that to be introduced on sort of you know I don't want to call W Montreal the B team, but until they've proven themselves, they are sort of like the Treyarch uh, where they kind sure. of have to step up and prove that they're capable of producing something as good as what what Rocksteady has done in the past. I remember when Treyarch was making NHL 2K games. That still weirds me out that they are now, like, this big deal, deal with this, like, you know, multi-million selling dollar franchise. Because when I was a tester of video games, I worked at 2K Sports. And I remember them, like, us constantly being pissed off because those games were always buggy as shit. Uh, and it's just weird to see how far that studio has come. And just every time everyone brings up Treyarch, I have these, like, weird memory flashbacks of us just going, like, this game is broken. This game is broken. This is a hockey game, and they can't make a fucking hockey game. What is going on? Um, so I think we'll we'll leave on this last one, which is actually about uh, something that that you recently did. Uh, uh, Mento, I'm gonna sort of paraphrase, but basically asked, you know, he watched your Super Punch Out uh, or mm. Punch Out uh, Bombasca that you did. Punch Out, get it right. 
So that's a separate game, separate game, separate Bombastica. Um, and he's kind of looking into maybe trying to do some of that on his own. He was sort of curious. So I think the process is different for, for everybody else. Uh, like, do you do a lot of preparation for that, or do you just sort of, like, boot up the game and kind of just go for it? It really depends on the game. Uh, in the case of Punch-Out!, I played so much of that as a kid and, you know, over the years that I just decided to jump right back in, um, which... Was that was also sort of on purpose because I wanted to see how far I could get without actually really practicing. Um, most games, if I haven't played it in a while, if I don't know really remember stuff, usually what I will do is I will play through a couple of things a couple of times just to kind of get a feel for it and just sort of you know try and stoke some memories that I might have about stuff. Um, like when I did that 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 WCW versus NWO Revenge one, like I probably spent a solid, like, three hours just going through and playing stuff and just reminding myself how it all worked and all that shit. Um, and, yeah, it was... Uh, it, it, yeah, it really depends on the game for me, and I think that, that any approach is totally fine, you know, as long as you feel comfortable playing it. The thing that always trips me up is talking while trying to play, and I, that's not exclusive, obviously, to Bombastic. That's any video we do on the site where we have to play games and talk. Like, I've never been good at that. Uh, it makes me really uncomfortable, and like I'm just constantly like, am I saying enough? Am I playing right? What am I doing? Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a skill. Like it's it's yeah. like you know, even if you start really bad at it and just become moderately bad at it, that yes. uh, just doing it, listening to yourself, like trying to find ways to sort of get rid of the the weird things you say, like you know, trying to rather than say um just pause and wait yes. till your next your next thought which i'm still bad at but it's one of yes. those things that it's like a muscle you just like you have to work at it and then at some point y you will get better at it or at least as good as you're going to get or at least to a place where you feel more comfortable doing it and it doesn't cause you as much uh, anxiety cuz i know that you know when i go away from it for a couple of weeks and then suddenly have to dive into it like when i did the first ones from out here from my computer uh, it was really stressful, even though it's like, I've been doing this for years, I've been done this a million times before, but it's just, especially doing it by yourself when you don't have someone to sort of play off of, uh, yeah. those can be uh, stressful, especially if you're in the middle of, because the way that, that give and take usually works when, you know, we've done quick looks in the office and stuff like that, is when you're in a moment where, hey, I need to shut the fuck up and I need to play the game, uh, someone else can step up and know that and, and right. start picking up the, the conversation for you. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just like anything else, I, mean, I, think, I think my advice would, would just be just do it and then watch it and cringe about it and yeah. try and take notes on, on what you can do the, the next time because you do want a mix of surprise at what's happening in the game and surprise that comes out of how you play and how you screw up and finding, yeah. ways, finding ways to roll with when things go wrong is probably the most valuable lesson you can get as you kind of do that stuff over and over again. And don't be afraid to do multiple takes because, I mean, some of those videos, like the Punch-Out! one I did pretty much in one take except for the part where I skipped ahead to play Mike Tyson. Uh, some of those other videos I've done, like, I did them, like, ten times because either I would just completely lose sh my shit, you know, I, I would forget something or, you know, some weird audio issue would crop up that I wouldn't realize was happening at the time and I would have to redo everything. Um, I hate that. It's cr It drives me absolutely <laughs> insane when I have to do it over again, but... You know, it's it's a necessary evil. Sometimes it's best to just go for it again, you know, take a five-minute break and then just try for it again. Don't be afraid to keep going. Cool. Well, I think that is going to wrap up us doing this for the first time. I thought it went really well. I think I think Scoops and Navarro has a future. Uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll try and do this earlier going forward. We the, the 
chat system is not wasn't built to to kind of do this YouTube stuff. So if you're watching on the front page, it probably looks a little weird. Uh, it was kind of embedding uh, the video a little strangely, uh, and then also the way we put it into the system is a little bit odd. So we kind of had to run through those kinks, uh, and then also you know. My mom had a cleaning lady coming through this morning, so <laughs> all sorts of unexpected things happening, but uh, appreciate everyone tuning in, and uh, so you'll be in the office next week, right? I will be in the office next week. Uh, I will, you know, be sitting in on whatever the hell they need me to sit in on, um, and then I'm going back home, and then I'm going to SummerSlam after that. Uh, to, I'm going to go fucking do a, another... So basically, I'm flying to San Francisco that, for a week, then flying back to New York, then flying to Los Angeles for three days, then flying home again. So that's that's my next two weeks. All right. Well, that that is intense. But that after you are back from from that journey, uh, we will we'll pick this up again. So uh, in the future, I hope to have guests. And because of the way the hangouts work, uh, you know, maybe we will try and experiment again with uh, having uh, members of the community uh, come in and, and hang out for a little bit. So we'll we'll see how that stuff goes as it goes along. But uh, all right. Well, I, I guess we should go back to doing other stuff. Alex. Yes, I will go back to posting trailers of games that have boobs in them. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Later, dude.